You're listening to the Metro LA Podcast, an official podcast of the LA International Church of Christ. Good evening. Buenas noches. Aloha. Konbanwa. My name is Reese Kia Aina. I want to welcome you to Metro Vision Studios. Thank you so much for taking the time to be online tonight and be participating in our midweek service. We are in week 11 of isolation. And as we talk about different things at midweek tonight, turn to your Bibles to uh, Acts chapter 6. Uh, I know many of you are asking as we are in week 11 of isolation, you know, how we as a church are going to be re-entering back into society as a congregation. Uh, I'd like you to please be praying with our uh, LA Church eldership. They're in talks right now. They're in discussions right now on how our church will be able to safely re-enter back into society. Uh, Dr. Doug Weber will be coming online uh, at a midweek service that would, will be talking more about this. So please be praying for our eldership. You know, no matter what we're doing, let's continue to keep practicing social distancing, washing our hands, wearing our masks. If you're unsure of social distancing, right? If you're not sure, a uh, sister Tiffany Nelson sent me this. And if you're unsure of how to go about social distancing, what's, what's the, how far is six feet? I want you to think of this for a minute. <laughs> if you, if you can smell it, they're too close, right? Uh, I, I appreciate, you know, it's a little comedy relief here. Uh, that, you know, this is, Serious though, this is actually at Fire Station 22 in Dayton, Ohio. Uh, as you know, as as much as this COVID 19, uh, you know, is a very serious deal. Hey, there's times we can laugh. There's also times where we take it serious, right? Uh, but this is a serious sign in Dayton, Ohio. Uh, I appreciate everyone in our church just practicing social distancing right now, wearing masks, you know, uh, washing our hands. I want to really lift up a brother who, you know, I want to show you a picture of Mr. William. Bubble Wrap Washington. <laughs> you know, William, he's a single brother in our church. And, uh, you know, he, he is taking precautions, man. If he has to go outside, he, he, he got the whole, he bubble wraps his whole body and, uh, he's good to go out there. And William, you know, love you, bro. Praying for you. You know, he de definitely has some underlying conditions and, and he is taking it serious. You know, we've been doing a series called Seeing Life from God's View, and I've done six weeks of lessons in it. We had a little break. Robert did an amazing job last week on the power of humility, and I, I hope the lessons have been encouraging you in your faith, building your faith so that we can make godly decisions as we go through COVID-19 together. Tonight's lesson, I'm going to be closing out our series. It is entitled Embrace Disruption. Embrace disruption. You know, persecution, what we learned over the last couple of weeks is persecution and pandemics disrupted the lives of the disciples. And God used those disciples, though, to change the world through simple acts of faith and simple acts of love. You know, during the Roman Empire in 313 AD, Emperor Constantine accepted Christianity as legal status. 
And in 380 AD, Emperor Theodosius recognized Christianity as the official religion in the Roman Empire. I mean, you want to talk about tough disciples, right? The early Christians had what I call grit, you know, perseverance plus passion. They were tough, so tough that they lasted through persecution, pandemics, and the Roman Empire to the point where after the uh in the fourth century, Christianity became its official recognized religion. And this is this was their story. And you and I, as we became disciples, are a part of a, a rich legacy, a part of a history of being a part of this kind of story as well. You know, Grace and I, we're so proud of the church. The church has done great through this COVID-19 crisis. Uh, we've done well in it. Our finances, finances have done well in it. People are sharing their faith. They're, they're, we're, we're going from a me culture to a we culture where we're taking care of one another. There's so many great things that are developing. And what I want to encourage us tonight is that disruptions, although, although they seem bad, I want to encourage us to embrace disruption that happens in our life. You know, I'm, I'm on break right now of my, uh, in my master's program in September, I start up for my final semester uh, in the master's program that I'm in. And one of the things we learn in, in the program is that disruption of any kind can bring the possibility of seeing the world differently because disruption interrupts our business as usual type of thinking. So disruption can actually be a good thing if we can see God's participation in it. It's like suffering, right? One of the benefits of being a Christian is that as a Christian, there's purpose to our suffering. That God is either deepening our faith or, you know, helping mature our characters and helping us to become people who are fully mature in the Lord. So there's purpose to it. And and again, I'm not saying that God is the one bringing disruption. And obviously, as as things have happened in COVID-19 and people have lost their lives and, and different disruptions have happened in people's lives, I'm not saying God has brought about all that. But I am saying that in the midst of these things, God can bring so much good out of it if we respond correctly in it. And oftentimes in Scripture, when God is about to bring a change, there's usually a moment or a time, a, a little bit of a time or a situation where uh, something happens first. And then if you keep reading, there's usually something radical that God does and life-changing that God does that benefits his people. The challenge is, is when we're in disruption, are we paying attention and being attentive to what's happening in the disruptions in our own lives? Again, I'm not saying God is bringing the disruption. Disruption is part of life. For example, some some of you may have lost a job, right? Uh, perhaps a death happened in the family. Things happen. Disruptions happen. Life happens. An athlete gets an injury. Schools close. COVID-19 hit. And so today, I want to share about two situations, and there are many, there are so many types of disruptions throughout the Bible, but we're just going to look at two in the New Testament since I've been kind of camping out in the book of Acts as we've gone through this pandemic together. In, in Acts chapter 6 and verse 1, one of the first things that uh, I want to show you tonight that, that I pray will, will build our faith and get our eyes focused on God more is in Acts chapter 6 in verse 1, it reads, 
In those days, when the number of disciples was increasing, the Grecian Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. Let's stop right there for a minute. Here's a situation where you have two groups of widows, two groups of ladies who have lost their husbands, right? One group was Hebraic Jews where uh, widows were, they were Jews who most likely spoke Aramaic. They were local. Uh, then you have another group called either the, the Grecian Jews, as the Bible says here, or they're also known as Hellenistic Jews, uh, where they spoke Greek and they lived amongst the Gentiles, most likely outside the city gates of Jerusalem. And one of the problems is they were having a daily distribution of food to be able to meet the needs of the widows. One of the problems was, is that one group was being overlooked and one group was being taken care of. Now, I'm not sure. The Bible doesn't say anything was intentional or unintentional. It certainly doesn't say that it was intentional. But one of the things that ended up happening is as the as the Hebraic Jews were being taken care of, the Grecian widows had an issue with it, and rightly so. And they were being overlooked in the distribution of food, possibly because of favoritism. And it was a time of great division and a time of discord in the church. Now, that is a disruption, right? That's that's a disruption for something like this to go on. You could make the, an argument that discrimination was happening in the church. Possible racism, possible prejudice going on in the New Testament church. And it was a very, very serious situation. You know, there's been some things that have happened in the news lately that I want to bring some attention to where, you know, different, I want to acknowledge different injustices that have happened uh, in the world that we're seeing in the news. I know Michelle spoke about it in one of the Friday devotionals and, uh, you know, it makes me sad. It makes me angry at the same time. I know some of these injustices have impacted many of the disciples in our fellowship and it impacts our family. And I appreciate that we're a church that isn't going to shy away from this conversation. Uh, we're going to talk about it. I remember in 2016, I was part of a meeting where this conversation just kind of started to happen. And what I want to say is, you know, it's important to that we learn in the church how to go about dealing with injustice like this. And how do we talk about racism, prejudice, discrimination in a way that can be very fruitful for God and, and an honest conversation. And, you know, I pray that more di dialogue and conversations are going to be had because of this. You know, all racism, all prejudice, all discrimination is wrong, period. Intentional for sure, but even unintentional racism, prejudice, or discrimination is bad. And in this situation here, you have two groups of widows. One's being overlooked. You can make the argument, man, this was a rough situation, a serious one. And what I appreciate about the apostles, the leadership, is they weren't afraid to dive into it and deal with it and actually get some solutions in it. So let's keep reading. So here's what the apostles did in, in a time of disruption. It says in verse 2, So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. 
Also Philip, Procurinus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Now, you know, one of the things that happened in the New Testament church, look at this slide here, is as as possible racism and prejudice and discrimination was happening uh, between the Hebraic widows and the Grecian widows, uh, the apostles gave direction to the church to choose seven men to wait on tables. But they weren't just any seven men. They were men to have, who were full of the spirit and full of faith, right? Uh, and I appreciate that, you know, that the apostles went and they weren't afraid to deal with it. They, they chose, they had the fellowship choose seven men to be full of faith and the Holy Spirit. And while they, the fellowship was working on it, the apostles tend, attended to prayer and ministry of the word. And so what ends up happening is the fellowship chooses seven men and you get to see who those seven men are. But as a result of that, because they dealt with it and dealt with a, a, a sticky situation, a tent situation, the Bible says the word of God spread, the number of disciples increased rapidly, and a large number of priests were converted. One of the things that was happening in a, in a time of division and discord and, and stress, God was raising up a new group of leaders to participate in the congregation. You know, leadership is necessary for spiritual guidance and order, but leadership is also necessary so that more needs get met. I mean, imagine if they just sat on this situation here and waited for everything just to get better, what would their church look like? But they weren't. They were proactive in it. This is part of the reason why it's important for every member of our church to be activated in this time right here, to be able to be involved in our congregation, because you may have the idea that we need that will solve different problems and launch us uh, into new ways of thinking and doing things in the church. Amen. But what ended up happening, the word of God spread, disciples increased rapidly. So many great things happened in the midst of this disruption. You know, oftentimes when God is bringing about a change in the church, it's so that his word is spread. It's so that souls are saved and so that uh, amazing things can happen. You know, oftentimes uh, we're, we're, we're so wanting things to change in the church for our benefit, right? For what encourages us, what empowers us, what makes our life easier. But change happened in God's church so that more souls could be saved, so that new ideas could be brought forth, so that uh, uh, new ways of thinking could develop in it and new leaders even raising up. And so I want to encourage us in this time, God may be stirring you up tonight to participate more in our fellowship. We need it. Because it's a, it's an important part of what happens in disruption. The second thing I want to talk about is this, is the persecuted church. What, again, another disruption. And let's look at the second scenario in the early church. In chapter eight and verse one, it says, on that day, a great persecution broke, broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. Those who had been scattered, notice this right here. Those who had been scattered 
preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Christ there. The second scenario I want to talk about tonight is where again, disruption happened. Persecution happened in the church again. We saw it in Acts chapter 4. We saw it in Acts chapter 5 where the church was disrupted. They were thrown in jail. But this time it got even more intense with Saul, who later ends up becoming the Apostle Paul. Saul is the one going around from house to house trying to destroy the church. I mean, this guy was trying to find every Christian and throw them in jail. Now that's a disruption, right? Imagine coming to a service, somebody comes in and says, you know what, that person, right, let's throw them in jail. I mean, what a disruption that happened in the first century church. Now what ends up happening is the apostles, the leadership stays in Jerusalem. Well, guess what happens to the rest of the disciples in the Jerusalem church? They scatter and they leave the church where only the apostles are left. Well, you go, well, what happened then? To all the disciples. Where did they go? I mean, they didn't have leadership with them. Well, how would the disciples do with little to no leadership that was guiding them when they went through this level of persecution? Would they still be faithful? Would all the disciples fall away? Would they just curl up in a fetal position and just like, well, I'm done. Let's call it quits. That's not what happened. What is so inspiring about this passage in verse 4, it says the disciples scattered, right? Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. What happened to the church? The church got even more inspired and more disciples were went about preaching the word of God wherever they went. This guy named Philip, right, comes out and he goes and goes down to Samaria, perhaps one of the hardest mission fields where tremendous racism, prejudice, and and discrimination happened between Jews and non-Jews. But Philip, guess who Philip was, right? He was one of the seven. He was one of the guys sitting in the fellowship that was chosen to wait on tables. And here he is. What courage this guy had. What? I mean, who would have thought, right, that, that, that the guys who were chosen to wait on tables would end up becoming such amazing disciples. Stephen, the first Christian martyr, was one of the guys who waited on tables. Who would have thought, you would have thought that the first Christian martyr would have had to have been an apostle, right? Or a major leader in the kingdom of God, but it wasn't. It was a dude sitting in the fellowship and he 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 met a need and God used him in a great way. Well, Philip was another one of those guys. He goes and preaches in Samaria. Well, who told these guys to do that? Think about that thought for a minute. Who told them to go? Who told Stephen to die and be stoned to death? Who told the disciples? No, I don't see any leadership in the Bible going, directing them. Hey, all you got, hey, this is what's going to happen. We're going to stay in Jerusalem. I know all of you are going to leave, but here's what you have to do. None of that took place. I mean, maybe it did. The Bible just doesn't say it. But you know what happened is they listened to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was guiding them and, and they didn't falter in the midst of this disruption. In fact, it inspired them and gave them more courage to speak the word of God more boldly, just like in Acts chapter 4, when the disciples went through persecution there. Philip not only goes to 
who's one of the seven, not only goes through Samaria in verse five, right? But if you go down in chapter eight, even more, verse 26, you'll see that he, he, he converts the Ethiopian unit, right? Uh, he converts an African dude from Ethiopia. Uh, well, who told him to go to Ethiopia? Again, right? There's no leaders directing him. The Holy Spirit was talking to him and, and he ended up going there. And, you know, in my second semester of school, one of the things I learned, uh, I was in this class called Global Christianity and we we're learning about Christianity throughout Africa, Latin America and in Asia called the Global South. And one of the things I learned is we came to this passage here in Acts chapter eight about the Ethiopian eunuch. And as Philip goes and converts this Ethiopian eunuch, guess where Ethiopian Christianity came from. It came from this guy right here. Scholars believe most likely that Ethiopian Christianity came from this guy who was an Ethiopian eunuch who was going back, right, to Ethiopia. And he, he met Philip and became a Christian along that way. And again, he was just one of the guys, you know, Philip was one of the guys that met this guy and and possibly all of Ethiopian Christianity came about because this Ethiopian and went back and shared his faith in his native Ethiopia. So inspiring. Well, what about Saul? What about the guy who was killing Christians? What about the dude here who is flat out just destroying, trying to destroy the church, right? And, you know, God has such a great sense of humor because he always has a plan. Even though we can't see the plan sometimes, God always has a plan. Well, you know what God wants to do? God wants to convert the murderer and and give that dude a chance to be the one to preach to the Gentiles that would give you and I a chance to become Christians. I mean, God has such a sense of you. The guy, the guy that he's going to use to op- reach the Gentiles, the non-Jews, was the same guy who was trying to destroy the church. And so guess who God chooses to reach out to Saul? Was it a major leader, do you think? Was it a very well educated, was it a very educated man? Nope, it was this guy named Ananias. And as he goes and it's Saul is on his journey, he gets blinded. Another disruption happens, right? You know, studying the Bible is a disruption. When you open the Bible, it may disrupt your life. It's going to disrupt your life. And and that disruption is what Paul Saul needed in his life in order to become a Christian. Those of you who are studying the Bible right now, continue. I, I want to encourage you to continue to study the Bible and, and don't get caught up if a disruption happens in your Bible studies because it's God's way that helps us to look at things clear and see the truth. And we may have to make some changes, but man, if you can get to the other side, God has such great plans for us. But remember, it may happen because of disruption. As, as he goes on further, I want to show you Ananias, it gets a vision in a dream. And look, here's what it says in this dream. Lord, Ananias answered. God tells him, hey, this is the guy you're going to reach out to. You're going to reach out to this guy named Saul. He's going to be on this street called this street named Straight Street. And I'm going to send you to him. And Ananias wakes up from his dream and he goes, Lord, Ananias answered. I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go, 
This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. And one of the things that ends up happening is, right, you know, Ananias gets up from his dream and, you know, God is like, you're the guy that I'm going to send to meet Saul and he's on straight street. And I can just imagine, look at, look at Ananias. Ananias is like, mm, you want me to reach out to who? I mean, the guy who's throwing Christians in jail, the guy who's making murderous threats, the guy who is murdering other Christians. I mean, Lord, can't we send Robert and Doug on that one? I mean, <laughs> that seems like, that seems like that would be the better plan to do. Or maybe we can have Bob, Bobby Henley. We can have backup with Bobby Henley. You know, can, he can get involved and kind of help out. And I'm pretty good. Aren't you happy that Ananias didn't, didn't just give in and, and just give in to fear, but he, he went with faith and he met Saul and he obeyed. And what ends up happening is Saul ends up becoming a Christian. And so many great things end up happening because this guy becomes a Christian, right? And I want to show you this right here in Acts chapter 11, what it, as 9, 10, and 11 happens, right? In the midst of that disruption of the church going through that kind of severe persecution, Saul becomes a Christian. Uh, and, and as of this, again, all this is happening with no leadership, right? The disciples are going out. They're preaching the word. They have courage. They're not letting their disruption deter their life. They're in it to win it and they're going for it. And God is blessing them tremendously because it to, to a point here where we pick up in Acts chapter 11, you know, this passage, I'm not even going to read it, but it's where another church starts. And my point is this in the midst of the second disruption, uh, my point is, is that God was bringing about new inspiration as well as new innovation to save more souls in his church. God was bringing new inspiration and new innovation to save more souls in the church as they went through persecution. Remember, in the midst of all that, who's directing them? The Holy Spirit was directing them. And so now not only Jews could be saved, Gentiles could be saved too. Not only were the leaders preaching the gospel, but members, the church was preaching the gospel and the church advanced more because the membership was involved in it, using their faith and gifts to preach the gospel as they were led by the Holy Spirit. I want to show you, go back to Ananias for a minute. Look at this, look at this screen right here, this slide right here. Ananias, the guy who was afraid, right? Who was like, I don't know, man. I don't know. <laughs> you really want me to do this, Lord. But he ends up doing it. And in Acts chapter 9 and verse 11, the direction that Paul, that God gives to Ananias as he reaches out to Saul is, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. Well, here's a picture right here of the house church that was discovered House Church of Ananias that was discovered in 1921 in Damascus, Syria. And get on Straight Street. And just let that sink in for a second. The guy who was afraid, right? He went out, he preached the word, he worked with Saul. Saul became a Christian. God told him directly where to go to find Saul. He obeyed, he listened. You know, that dude became a Christian. I was doing my own research. This is a house church right here of Ananias. And to this day, since 2012, you can go in uh, Damascus, Syria, and you can actually visit this church. It's still operational right now. 
But this was a house church of that, of that man, Ananias. So inspiring. I want to ask you a question. What new ideas and plans will you bring to God's church in 2020? What new insights and experiences will people uh, have visiting our church? What new insights and experiences will be brought to the table when they come? We are not going back to pre-COVID-19 days. It's not going to happen. We're moving forward. You are very important now more than ever in our church. And so what's the practical tonight? What's the practical? Is this, what can you do in the midst of a disruption? Stop, look, and listen to God. Become a discerner. Become somebody who can slow down a little bit, you know, in your life. Look at what's happening around you. Discern that. Pay attention to what God may be doing around you. And always listen to God's voice, his word. Listen to spiritual people in your life. Listen to his voice. I don't know about you, like me, I got like 25 voices going on sometimes, right? Listen to the right voice. If something's going on in your life right now, hang in there. Remember the biblical narrative. Oftentimes after disruption, God is right there working to bring about good for his glory. Disruption of your plans usually means God is about to do something big. So let me share some disruption news with you. In our food bank, we didn't have a food bank before, but because of COVID-19, we have a food bank now. I want to encourage all those who've been working with the food bank, the task force team on it. But over 70 individuals have been served in it. Over 100 bags of food have been given out. In special missions, we've collected over $14,000 in one week. Uh, we'll keep you posted on how those funds are going to be distributed. And recently, we've had baptisms and restorations last week. Samuel and Maria Gonzalez. You know, Samuel was was hurting, man. He was he was close to perhaps passing away, and yet God worked in that situation. And Samuel and Maria Gonzalez are both now your brothers and sisters. There's a junior parent, juniors parents. Felicia Dukes was restored. Here's a picture of both of them right there. So awesome, right? To see what God is doing in the midst of disruption. So as we close tonight, here's what you can do in your discussion groups tonight. In your group, think about this question. Whose faith has inspired you and how? Secondly, how has your faith been tested in a recent disruption? And explain that. And then close out your time with group prayer together. And so tonight... What did we learn tonight? We looked at two disruptions and how God brought about good in the midst of that those disruptions. In a time of great division and discord, discord with the Hebrew, Hebraic, and Grecian Jews, God was creating a new leadership to meet more needs. In a time of great discouragement and despair with severe persecution, God was creating new inspiration and innovation and new ways of doing things in the church to save more souls. What's the practical tonight? Stop, look, and listen to God. Learn to discern those disruptions. We're going to encounter disruptions in our life. We don't have to fear it. We don't have to worry about it. We don't even have to run away from it. We can embrace disruption by being spiritual discerners. And pay attention to what may be happening in it 
because perhaps God is about to do something incredible in your life. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for your attention. Have great discussion groups tonight. Good night. You've just listened to the Metro LA Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit MetroLARegion.com 